Hi there. Thank you for joining us on the Redeemer Church Podcast. Here at Redeemer, we exist to see Christ exalted in our church, community, and world. It is our mission to lead people into the presence of God, devotion to His Word, authentic fellowship with others, and discovering their ministry. We hope that this podcast is just one of the ways you connect to God's presence this week. Let's check out this week's message. Good morning, everyone. Good to be with you in worship, and hello to all of you who are with us. I know there are many of you right now online in many different locations today. Good to be with you as well. A quick announcement before we dive into the word today. I had the privilege uh, two weeks ago of meeting with our mayor and his chief of staff and the director of housing for the city of Tulsa and a few other pastors here in the area um, to discuss not the long-term solution for homelessness in our city, although that's an important uh, subject to discuss, but instead to focus on what are the immediate things that we can do to prevent Um, our homeless community from being outside during dangerous temperatures this winter. If you remember last winter, it was brutal. Uh, And so this winter, we wanna make sure that we are providing housing for the homeless. I want you to know that I have committed Redeemer Church as a facility for emergency relocation, emergency housing this winter for the homeless. I, yes, wonderful. And it's also time for me to admit, I'm not quite sure what that means yet. Uh, I'm not quite sure what that looks like. We have a lot to discuss and learn uh, with the city, but um, no one should sleep outside in these temperatures, period, but in these temperatures. Um, And so you just saw Amy, uh, our servant outreach director, and I invite you, if it interests you to serve here when we house the homeless, to reach out to Amy via phone call or via email and let her know your interest level. Maybe your interest level is you would like to come up and help set out cots and blankets. Maybe you want to be on a greeting team when they arrive. Maybe you want to help serve food. Um, And then also maybe you'll spend the night because we need help with that as well. Um, So more to come on that in the days, weeks, months to come. Obviously, it's going to be cold for a while. But thank you in advance to anyone who's interested in pitching in and helping our homeless neighbors. Um, Today we have a treat for you. This is week five of our series on the Lord's Prayer. And if you're anything like me, uh, maybe you got into this series knowing, yeah, this is a a familiar passage of scripture. Maybe it's been something you've uh, memorized and recited even since your childhood, but it's awesome to get fresh eyes, fresh perspective on a familiar passage, and that's what this series has done for me at least, and I hope it's true for you as well. Uh, The treat that we have for you today is you get to hear from two of our staff who I love very much and appreciate very much. The first is Pastor David Nunn, who um, has been preaching longer than I have been alive. That's true. He's been serving the local church longer than I've been here. Um, and I am so grateful for his uh, wisdom and his counsel. He's introduced himself the last two times as our service host, as Santa Claus, and as a hippie. Um, and if you don't know him, you'll see why in a moment. But today, you uh, get to enjoy Pastor Nunn as uh, one of our pastors on staff and also a phenomenal preacher. 
Um, and then the second half of the sermon is going to be from a remarkable young leader on our staff. Kayla Canfield oversees our high school ministry, and I'm so proud of her, so thankful for her presence on this team and all that she brings to Redeemer. I love having these two preach today. They represent the multi-generational uh, staff that we have, which also reflects the multi-generational church that we are, and we're better for it. So put your hands together and welcome our very own Pastor David Nunn. Thanks, sir. I was not feeling old until that introduction. Uh, good morning. It's good to be here this morning. I uh, feel very privileged to be able to speak to you this morning, about, especially about this subject. Uh, Lord's Prayer is the model that Christ gave us to teach us how to pray. And, of course, prayer is very important to all of us, so... I'm, I feel very privileged to be able to speak to you today. I was one of those kids that grew up learning the Lord's Prayer every morning in public school. We said the prayer together. So, of course, we did it in the old King James Version. You remember? Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. That's what we've looked at so far. Pastors uh, Leanne, Adam, and Dave have, have uh, very capably shared uh, that part of the prayer. And today, uh, Kayla and I are going to finish up the series with this last phrase, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. I like to think that Pastor Adam saved the best for last. So here we are. Now, I retired from full-time ministry about two years ago, uh, almost two years ago, and since that time, I have not preached except in funeral services. So I went from two or three sermons a week to zero sermons a week. So when Adam asked me to preach, man, I was thrilled, you know, finally, after almost two years, I can preach a sermon. Then he told me the subject. All right, this last phrase, and lead us not into temptation, which is kind of a difficult phrase to, to get a grasp on because it doesn't really fit at least my vision of who God is. And then, but then it leads on to deliver us from evil, which is, man, that's the, that's the goal for everybody. We all want to do that. We all want to talk about deliverance and receive that victory. So do, so do I get to preach on that? No, 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 no. The old guy gets the tough phrase. One, lead us into temptation, or lead us not into temptation, which of course begs the question, why would God ask us to pray, lead us not into temptation, unless there's a possibility that he would? And why would God lead us into temptation? Well, I thought about that, and I said, well, I, I, I can figure that out, I, I guess, uh, I'll be happy to do that. And I said, thank you very much. You have 12 minutes. I'm a Southern Baptist, all right? Our sermons are 45 minutes long. That's set in stone somewhere. I don't think I've ever preached a 12-minute sermon. But here we are having to preach a 12-minute sermon, and I'm going to try my best to do it. But uh, I've already wasted the first few minutes complaining about it. So... <laughs> Lord, lead me not into temptation, right? 
passage gains a little clarity when I think about that because it's so easy for us to fall into temptation even when we're doing what God wants us to do and the place where God wants us to do it. Follow the Lord and, and I still have struggles with the temptation, for instance, to complain. James explains it to us. He says, the problem is we bring our temptations with us or at least those desires we carry with us. In James 1 Verse 13, he says, when tempted, no one should say God is tempting me, for God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. But each one is tempted when by his own evil desire, he is dragged away and enticed. James tells us God is not the one who tempts us. In fact, he says, you can't even blame it on the devil. It all comes from within. All the devil can do, and what he does is he, he draws those internal desires to the forefront of our mind and he tempts us to use them in a way that is not pleasing to God. So he says to Eve, for instance, you can know what God knows. That's a good thing, isn't it? Not the way she did it. Even Jesus, he says, you're hungry, turn the stones into bread. You wanna uh, show the world who you are, jump off the highest pillar of the temple. You came to establish a kingdom, I can give it to you right now, holy, righteous desires of Christ that he tried to twist through temptation into abuse and to sin. But those desires we carry with us. So when we look at the words, lead us not into temptation, what we are saying is, Lord, protect me from myself. I have these these needs, these desires within me to reach out and grab stuff that I don't need, that I shouldn't want. But our primary goal as believers, one of them at least ought to be to resist that temptation. We need God to lead us. So this phrase begins with those terms, lead us. So I pray, Lord, lead me into focusing on you and not on my own personal desires. It's kind of like when you as a parent take your kids grocery shopping, which none of us want to do, but sometimes we have to. How many of you try to avoid the candy aisle when you take your kids grocery shopping? Why? Because you know they got greedy little hearts and they want every little bit of candy they can grab to hold of, throw it in the cart. And some of us, I learned from Rick Fraley earlier today, uh, still struggle with that temptation when we go down the candy aisle. We don't want our kids to do that. And so we avoid that. David, King David prayed a very similar prayer in uh, Psalms 141.4 where he said, let not my heart be drawn to what is evil. To take part in wicked deeds with men who are evildoers, let me not eat of their delicacies. Lord, keep me away from the candy aisle. And we pray that God will keep us away from those unhealthy, unwholesome desires in our hearts. And this prayer, lead us not into temptation, it, it teaches me to align my desires with God's desires. And when I do that, when my desires are God's desires, then the promise of Psalm 37, four becomes true. God gives me the desires of my heart. He wants to lead us in ways that are good for us. So it's good for us to pray, God lead us. He wants us to grow. He wants us to go down paths of righteousness and still waters. 
But even though we follow God, that's still not a guarantee that we will avoid all temptation and trial. It still happens. Think again about the candy aisle. At some point in your child's life, you hope that they develop the ability to resist grabbing every little piece of candy that they see. And the only way to test that is to allow them to go down on their own without you looking over their shoulder and let them learn how to resist that temptation. And so the Lord wants us to learn how to resist temptation and through that resistance to grow strong spiritually. In the same way that we grow strong physically, through resistance training, lifting weights, or pulling against resistance bands. God gives us opportunities to grow spiritually by resisting temptation. But he always prepares us for that. He never lets us be faced with the temptation that we cannot bear, that we cannot handle. So in 1 Corinthians 10, 13, we are told, no temptation has seized you except what is common to man. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can stand up under it always provides a way out. One of the best examples of this is Jesus himself. In Matthew 4, we are told that Jesus was led by the Lord, by the Spirit, into the desert to be tempted. As he went through that process of temptation, he was already prepared. He'd spent 40 days fasting and praying. He had the scriptures at hand and he resisted every temptation that the devil threw at him. And as a result of that, when he came through those 40 days, he was prepared to enter into a very difficult three years of ministry that culminated in his own crucifixion. Now, obviously the goal is deliverance from evil, right? And Kayla's going to speak to that in just a moment. But what this prayer teaches us is that deliverance is preceded by resistance. And resistance is preceded by submission. Lead us. Lead us to resist temptation so that we can experience deliverance. James explains it this way in James 4, 7. He says, submit yourselves then to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. And too often we want to resist the devil without remembering to first submit to God. And I guarantee you when you do that, if you're trying to resist Satan without submitting to the Lord's will, you will fail. I promise you, you will fail. Submission precedes resistance. Resistance then precedes deliverance. So Jesus told his disciples, and he teaches us that in order to submit to God, we need to be watchful and constantly prayerful always seeking to follow his will because he says the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. So on the eve of his crucifixion, Jesus kind of highlighted what he means by lead us not in temptation. In Matthew 26, 41, he adds a little bit to that. Watch and pray, he says, so that you will not fall into temptation because the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Watch and pray, be vigilant, pray constantly, and watch, guard yourself against temptation. And you will experience deliverance from the evil one. 
which is what Kayla is going to bring to us in just a moment. Now, earlier I commented that uh, Adam was saving the best for last, but that wasn't about me, that was about Kayla. She's the best for last, and she's going to come down and share with us. As she comes up, let me just share with you that I graduated from Oklahoma Baptist University in 1976. Forty-three years later, Kayla graduated from that same university. So leaving the stage and, and inviting her on is kind of feels like passing baton to the next generation, although it's like the next, like second or third generation, actually. <laughs> but I just want you to know, uh, if, if, if the rest of this generation of ministry has her dedication, her devotion to the Lord, her love for Christ, her capable uh, capabilities, the, the just, just her talent, then this next generation, my grandchildren, they're in great hands. And I'm so pleased to, to have Kayla come and pass that baton to this next generation. God bless you, sister. Thank you. Okay, listen. I don't know whose idea it was to let not one, but two former Southern Baptists preach back to back this morning. But Pastor Nunn and I are here for it. We did uh, we do share an alma mater, Oklahoma Baptist University. We've been preparing our staff this week by saying Kurip, our school's chant, around the office. So if you'd like to hear it, you can meet us in the lobby after this and we'll do it for you. Well, truly, I cannot say enough what an honor and a privilege it is to get to share alongside Pastor Nunn this morning and to get to close our time in our series on the Lord's Prayer. And so now we have arrived at the final line, but deliver us from the evil one. So this line, of course, is preceded by, and lead us not into temptation, which we just walked through. From it, we saw that God does not tempt us, although there are times when God allows us to be led down a path where there will be temptation. But by prayerfully and diligently submitting to God's leadership, especially through his word, his spirit, and his church, we are spiritually strengthened to resist temptation when it comes. Lead us not into temptation. And then Jesus goes on to pray, but deliver us from the evil one. So this next line implies that we will not totally escape temptation and the testing and trials of our faith, but that when we do experience these things, we ask God to deliver us. So who or what is this evil that we are being delivered from? Some trans translations say the evil one, some say evil. They essentially mean the same thing, but with the evil one, we see the personification of evil. That is Satan. Or other places in scripture personify evil as the serpent, the accuser, the tempter, the ruler of demons, the father of lies, the deceiver, and the devil. But let's be clear on what the evil one is not. The evil one is not God's opposite. Here's what I mean by that. The evil one is not the reverse of God. Satan is God's adversary, but he is not God's equal. If God is the greatest force for good, the evil one is not an equally great force for bad. 
I think this matters because we should know what kind of power evil has over us and what kind of power it does not. In fact, to really see what kind of power evil has over us, I think we have to start from the beginning in Genesis 3 specifically. So this is a really heavy chapter. In it, we see the fall of humanity. With one sin, we see the curse set into motion, peace broken, and hope seemed lost. The serpent planted seeds of doubt in Eve's mind and led her to question God's word and his character. But God had a plan from the very beginning of time to redeem his children. And in Genesis 3.15, God tells the serpent this, and I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and hers. He will crush your head and you will strike his heel. So this is the very first mention of the gospel in scripture. In it, we see God tell the serpent that although he would bruise the heel of Eve's offspring, her seed would crush his head. And her seed is Jesus. Essentially, God will defeat Satan through Jesus with a striking blow from which Satan would never recover. So the battle, the battle was over before it even began. We know that this life will have plenty of trouble for us. There will be pain, suffering, temptation. But God reassured humanity from the beginning that he would deliver us from evil. So let's go back to Matthew. Jesus teaches the Lord's Prayer in the middle of his Sermon on the Mount, which he preached toward the very beginning of his earthly ministry. But as he was preparing for his earthly ministry, the final thing Jesus did was go to the wilderness to pray and fast for 40 days. Now, I can't help but think that Satan must have thought this was his chance. Jesus was hungry, he was alone, he was vulnerable. And Satan knew from the garden what Jesus was here to do. So this is his chance to put a stop to Jesus' ministry by tempting him. Now, Pastor Nunn already called our attention to this story, but what we see is that Satan tried three times to tempt Jesus, and every single time, Jesus resisted that temptation. And this continues as a theme throughout the rest of Jesus' ministry. He endured opposition, attacks, betrayal, testing, sadness, trauma, and pain. Jesus' life did not go untouched by the ravages of evil. But he was resistant, perfectly obedient, and submitted to his Father. And then finally we come to Gethsemane. On the night that Jesus was betrayed, Jesus and his disciples go to the garden of Gethsemane to pray. And Jesus says, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. And then he goes off on his own to pray. And he says, my father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me, yet not as I will, but as you will. Jesus does not want to go with the cross, this is why he says, take this cup from me. But of course, this is, the G- this is the Father's will and the Father's way for the kingdom to come. 
and Jesus is completely surrendered to his father. He says, yet not as I will, but as you will, and in complete submission, he goes to the cross, a victory that sealed evil's fate once and for all. N.T. Wright says this, this is what obedience looks like when it stares evil in the face. Jesus trusts that if the Father allows him to be led into temptation, that he will deliver him. So what does that mean for us? It means a lot, but I'll focus on three reasons why Jesus teaches us to pray, deliver us from the evil one. The first reason why he teaches us to pray this is because we need to be reminded every day that following Jesus is hard. Evil exists both within us and all around us. We cannot run from it, it's inevitable. Even Jesus experienced temptation from the evil one and he was overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. So he prayed. He looked to his father. Jesus modeled to us what to do when a life submitted to God's will is almost too much to bear. The second reason Jesus teaches us to pray, deliver us from the evil one, is because our deliverance is already and not yet. So a few weeks ago, Adam taught us about God's kingdom, which is already and also not yet. And within that understanding, it is also true that our deliverance is already and not yet. In the Garden of Eden, we are promised a savior who will deliver us. And at the cross, we see that he did just that. However, there is still suffering and struggle now. Evil is still near and we can still feel its effects. But this is not the end of our story. Our deliverance is not yet as visible as it one day will be. And finally, Jesus teaches us to pray, deliver us from the evil one, because in doing so, we declare victory over evil. We pray this because we know that it's true. We pray this because through our prayer, we glorify God. We pray this because, as N.T. Wright says, to pray deliver us from the evil one is to inhale the victory of the cross. The Lord's Prayer culminates in this final emphasis on the gospel and declaration of victory over evil. And so to summarize, all of the things we've learned over the last five weeks, all of us together collectively pray to the creator and sustainer of all things, God, who is also Father. The holy, infinite, eternal, all-powerful, all-knowing God who is listening and closer than the air we breathe. God's presence is here. His domain is everlasting. He reigns. But we also wait for the promise of the final return of Jesus when his kingdom will be fulfilled and his will will be done. We are completely dependent on God. He knows our needs, both mortal and eternal, better than we know them. 
We cannot make our own provisions and we look to him to give us and our neighbors everything that we need. We are saints with a serious sin problem. We need God's forgiveness just as freely as we forgive others. God gives us the spiritual strength to resist temptation and rescues us from the evil that exists within us and all around us as we breathe in his victory over evil. And so if you would join me, would you stand? And let's pray together this prayer that maybe is more powerful than anything we have ever realized. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Once again, thank you for listening to the Redeemer Church podcast. To stay connected to all that God is doing here at Redeemer, visit our website at RedeemerTulsa.org or connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Have a blessed week.